Esther Chat, Andy Pondillo, Jared Webb. We are back for the first edition of the offseason. And boy, is it an exciting time. <laughs> I guess not exciting, but I'm just excited to be in the offseason now, Jared. I bring you in. I mean, what more can you say? The Astros, they can't beat the Rangers in 2016. A million injuries down the stretch. A uh, horrible April. Altuve falls apart in September. Nonetheless, a great season. And you just look at it at the end of the year. It was a giant platoon. It felt a little bit like 2014 again with the young players coming in and out, in and out, starting pitching, question marks all over it. That being said, a winning season, 84 wins. The Astros win two less games than last season. Yet a lot of us disappointed and a lot of us just exhausted by this season. I wouldn't say it was fun baseball down the stretch. I wouldn't say it was that really exciting season we all expected. It had its moments. It had some successes. Definitely had some minuses. And, you know, once again, thankful that the postseason is here and offseason is here for the Astros that they can recoup and see what happens in 2017. This was definitely a, a peaks and valleys type of season. You had a lot of really high moments. Bregman getting hot. Uh, Springer had some hot streaks in there that were really fun to watch. Altuve was hot for so long that when he got cold, we didn't know how to handle it and almost burned down the internet. Uh, but it's weird because when you look at the numbers of wins according to what we thought or against what we thought they were going to be, this is a disappointing season. Now, again, near the end, I felt that, that was a really fun way to finish. Yeah, it kind of fell apart in Los Angeles, but nonetheless fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed really being into the games and counting the games and things like that. I, it, oddly enough, I have a professor at the college I attend who would, me and him would talk about the wild card race. So that was a lot of fun to do. But yeah, this season, I think, is really just knocked down a huge peg because of Two things, underperformance and injuries. Uh, a lot of guys didn't really perform the way we thought they were. Keuchel for a good part of the season. Uh, obviously, Carlos Gomez, we're sorry. We were, we backed him for too long. We were incorrect. Uh, A.J. Reed underperforming hurt us a lot. I mean, that really, we needed that production from first base. And Oddly enough, we got one of my most favorite things in the world, a full season of Marwin. So, I don't know. It's it, You make the season what you want to make. And if, it was a t if you think it was a terrible season, you're not wrong. If you say it was a great season, you're not wrong either. So, you know. Well, let me get on my soapbox here. Uh, you can't... We talk about blame. Everyone has a certain element of blame they want to put on a certain party. Uh, obviously, I don't think 100% can be put anywhere. There, there's so many things that happen in the baseball season. It's impossible to put it on a manager, a GM, a hitting coach. It's impossible to go there. But there are certain percentages, in my opinion, that go towards more one area than the other. Uh, I look at this team that ended the year in 184 games, and I go through it. Uh, A.J. Reed, you mentioned, is obviously a disappointment. Uh, the injuries. Uh, Keuchel, a big disappointment. Uh, but when I pick one party that really disappointed me this season, the first person that's going to come up is Jeff Luno, Jared. And that's uh, partially the payroll we go into at 30th in the league. That's ridiculous for this market. I don't know if that's him. I don't know if he's unable to get guys to come over here, unable to make the correct trades. Uh, but there are so many elements at this point now 
that follow, fall on him not being able to put depth on this team properly around the young guys, not being able to make the trades, whether it's his fault or not, and really just getting this team to a certain level. No one's going to doubt that he knew how to draft. No one's going to doubt that he turned this thing around. But is he the GM to win you a world championship? I think he's got one more year, and if they start out slow again, he makes one more bad trade. I'm starting to really feel like Luno it could be in hot water in 2017. And it's not just a pissed-off fan saying that. I really think that Luno has to prove something in 2017 beyond what any player or manager does. I, I, I can understand that. I, I, can, I understand why people are upset with him, and I understand why some people love him so much. Um, this season, you're right, it was partially his fault and it partially wasn't. The injuries and Keiko underperforming, uh, there was no that way. Was he, devastating. Yeah, they were devastating. McCullers going down, that was devastating. Uh, Guriel was a great signing. Uh, obviously, Harris looked great, you know, for what we're paying him. Uh, Sipped looked terrible, never went out and got a loogie. He said, uh, he said in an interview today that if, Keuchel and McCullers would have been hurt during the trade deadline, then they would have made a move. Uh, I feel like that was kind of resting on his laurels when he didn't make that trade or didn't go do anything. But you the, know, biggest, you can't... the biggest fault here, though, in my opinion, is when you had an absurd amount of pitching on the free agent market before 2016, and the best move they made uh, was Doug Fister. It almost, you know, you could say cheap, you could say just unable to get guys, but... In the long run, you know, you have to build depth in these rotations, not just depth of guys that can get by, that can be okay pitchers. you got to have legitimate starting pitchers in there. So if Dallas Keuchel does go down for the year next year, Colin McHugh is horrible next year. Uh, you do have a very solid top of the rotation guy. You can't just stop adding pitchers uh, because you already have a great rotation or you think you have a great rotation and I, I feel like that was the big loss this season. Uh, I wasn't expecting David Price. I wasn't expecting uh, them to spend $200 million. But there certainly were names out there where they could have made that splash. They could have opened up the pocketbooks. And whether that's a Luno deal, a Jim Crane deal, you know, I don't know if we exactly know. Uh, but you know, they're going to have to try and fix that, obviously, in the offseason. Because we saw what happened with the starting rotation this year. And that has to scare everybody in the front office. You know, there were definitely a lot of pitchers on the market in the past few years where going into this free agent market uh, 2017, you look back at some of those free agents, and yeah, obviously, you know, you want Grinky, a lot of those guys on that list that are just, you know, priced. That'd be a nice that that'd be nice to have, but I don't know that that was realistic at the time. Uh, this team looked good uh, on paper as a young young team, but maybe that's just not what those guys were comfortable in. Uh, my my biggest qualm with Jeff was looking at our rotation and what we had in reserve. Because, you know, we did have Feldman and Davinsky in the bullpen. But still, McHugh wasn't performing. Fires wasn't really performing. You, If you know Doug Fister's track record, record obviously you know he will fade late. I mean, he's more, him more so than Scott Kazmier uh, in 2015. So I just can't see knowing all that, how you don't go, I understand the prices were exorbitant, 
but there were aces. There were legitimate aces or potential aces on the market this year. And, you know, I mean, even LaCroix on the market this year. And we just sat there and did nothing when those kind of moves wouldn't have just helped us this year. They would help us, you know, they could help us Mm -hmm. for years to come. So it's not, it's not a bad idea to, to go out there and make that move. So, yeah, that's what I hold against Luno. I'm not so much. I'm not so mad about him not uh, going out or getting a 200 million dollar pitcher well, I, or one of the top. I get why you want those guys. Jordan Zimmerman was my guy in the offseason because it was a splash move, but you weren't breaking the bank. And I know he got injured. I know he didn't have a full season with the Tigers. You know, obviously you can't predict that. But that that's the type of pitcher I think that Jeff Luno needs to get. And obviously you might be able to get a better pitcher via the trade market and the Astros have the re uh, the resources to do that. But going forward in free agency is not going to be this off season. Cause the pitching market absolutely blows oh, it's, it's <laughs> so bad. It, it, I mean, there's a few hitters on the market, but Oh, the pitching market is it's, it's hot booty, but you know, going forward, let's say 2018, 2019, just, just forward. Those are the types of guys that I think the Astros need to be involved with. They don't have to get the best pitcher on the market, but they can go out and get legitimate number twos that are almost aces. I, I don't think that's too much to ask with where their payroll is at right now. I, we both know who I want. We both know who I'm always talking about. What I, are you willing to give up is the question. Um, I'm willing to... Let's see. Okay. Let me pull up the the top 10. I would almost say, not even looking at the current top 10, anyone in the top 10, I don't count Bregman at this point. He's not, he's not going to be a prospect for much longer. Anyone in the top 10, yep, absolutely. Anyone in the top 10, I would say they'd probably get at least three Maybe even four of our top ten. And Jared, speaking of Chris Archer, I believe is that correct? You are absolutely <laughs> correct. Um, I mean, go uh, if you if you look if you're like, oh, he had a four ERA. Yeah, he had a three point eight one FIP. His his K per nine is at ten point four two. Walks at three, which is that's workable. Two hundred innings, two hundred plus Ks. His last like thirteen games, I think he only had one game that. He really got behind, you know, he had a five-run, six-inning game in August. But other than that, he looked really good at the end of the season. The Ks are always there, no dip in velocity. And he's got a beautiful contract, an absolutely beautiful contract. If Keuchel returns back to normal with that one-two punch, and then you've got McCullers, who would be considered, I guess, your number three, that's one of those rotations you talk about on ESPN. And don't forget our boy. I know they didn't want to make him a starter, Jared, but don't forget Davinsky. I look for big Chris, things. Yeah, from no, him absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think he's going in that scenario. He's probably your number four. That's, that's a beautiful thing. But, yeah, you're going to give up, I would say, at least four top tens, and they're probably going to ask for a major league player. I don't know who, who it would be. I mean, obviously, there are some people that – would be on that list and you just absolutely wouldn't touch them, but they'll talk everyone. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Tampa Bay asked for Springer. 
Yeah, and, and that would be the tough decision the Astros would have yeah. to make. Again, Jared, though, th- this is the big thing with the latest team is running. If you sign free agent players, you can make that deal. You, you, you're you okay with trading a major league player to get a star pitcher, knowing that you're going to spend money to offset that. It's all a big domino rally that happens. And until the Astros do it, this is why we grade these trades so hard is because we live and die by Carlos Gomez. We live and die by Scott Kazmir. And if Ken Giles. Yeah, we live and die by Ken Giles. Yeah. That was quite that, the don't leave, don't leave him off. Yeah, it, it, these are the trades uh, that, that we live and die with, and, and that hurts because you can't go and offset those any other way besides waiting for prospects to come up and you know that's like flipping a coin and more times than not you're going to flip it in the wrong direction uh when you're bringing prospects up because they just take time to develop and so many people hate hearing that over and over and over again Uh, i want to talk about who i would get in the offseason you mentioned your guy Uh, my guy's pretty simple we've been talking about it for a year now jared this offense as much as I want to pitch her, this offense needs a veteran presence because they fall apart versus the Rangers. They fall apart down the stretch, and they fell apart in April when the league made adjustments to them. As good as Springer is, as good as Altuve is, we need the clutch veteran bat in this lineup to tell these guys everything's going to be okay. Going to drive in runs. He doesn't have to be the guy. He just needs to be a guy, and again, that's going to be Ryan Braun once his name comes up again in trade talks. If I'm the Astros, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to eat some of the money, and that definitely fixes your left field situation or DH situation as you rove guys around uh, once Kobe Rasmus is off the team, uh, uh, assuming he's off the team this season. I get what you want, Braun. I absolutely understand it. Um he was good this year. I'm a, I'm open to the idea, especially if, if he'll consider moving to first base and learning first base. Uh, you know, I'm fine. I think I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm it's not one of those deals that I, I don't feel like I'm as hot on it as you are, mm-hmm. but I understand the desire for the player. Player, and I understand the logic. The whole if we take on money then we have to give on give up less or we can make them eat money to give up more because we do you know obviously the brewers would like to get back in our farm system so they could pluck out a few more gems so i mean i could see it it's not crazy yeah and it's kind of what it comes down to jared i don't think either of us are going to fight each other over it at least i hope not it's uh, are you spending fight. your? We'll fight. Now, are you spending your resources on pitching? You spending it on offense? And I go back and forth with this in my head, um, but you know the the pitching I have not a lot of hope for right now, to be honest. But there's something about that offense that, even though I like where it's headed, I think it's a a good offense now. But I think it stalls hard at good because of the youth on this team. And no matter how high uh, we can expect uh, a Bregman, uh, a Correa, Altuve, all these guys, uh, I get scared when I watch these guys in big games. And there's no analytic that can really present that to us. It's just when I watch them play the Rangers, um, and they for the most part, did good in that Royal series in a small sample size. But the objective for me right now is to win this division, and it's going to be difficult for them to beat the Rangers even next year uh, going in with this youthful approach that they're bringing. It just scares me right now. 
I don't know. I, for me, I think I'm I, from what I saw at the end of the season from Bregman, uh, knowing the type of player that Bregman and Correa are, I think they're going to mature as far as get big game hits really early. Correa's, I think Correa's, Correa's, awesome Correa's already got a flair. He's got a flair for it already. Exactly. Uh, I think we're going to see 2017 being Correa's real breakout year where he does something that blows us all away. Um, Can they do it versus the Rangers, though? That, that's, that's Pandora's box. If you play, what, 400 ball versus the Rangers and, and you duplicate what you did this year, you're probably a playoff team. Well, I mean, that's a really good team that knows how to play in big situations. They're very veteran heavy. Uh, their pitching staff got got better when they got Darvish back. Um, but, I mean, I think you can put a better baseball team on the field. Uh, it's I think we can – if you put a comparable team out there, you're going to win more games they got to play us in some bad moments and they were just a better team at the times they needed to be. I, I'm just, I'm not much into the whole like curse and that we're it, they're in our heads and stuff. I think if you put a better team on the field and I think that that was the big thing is the Astros that went out there to play them most of the time. were not very good teams. We were banged up at certain points or everybody was slumping. So I don't know. I just think at this point, you just have to put a better team out there for 162 games. And you know, obviously, there are a lot of the weight there. Uh, the core of the Astros, uh, Jeff Luno talked about it in their uh, press uh, conference today. You know, the core they have is as good as any core you're going to find in all of baseball. That's going to stick, and that's going to keep the team above 81 wins routinely, in my opinion. Unless all, unless everything, I mean, everything falls apart. This is going to be a winning team. Uh, how do they become a great team? How do they beat the Rangers? How do they win a freaking division title? No division title since 2001. You know, I want to hang that flag up eventually. Uh, there's definitely areas of concern. Uh, some good areas, though, this uh, season, Jared. We can talk about some of the uh, good stuff that we've seen, give some awards away, not that they count for anything. Um, let's just start with MVP of the Astros this year. I don't have to think twice about this one. I know you don't, Jose Altuve. Jake he, Marisnik. Jake Day for the best-looking player on Jake, the team. Jake. <laughs> but uh, now Altuve, man, uh, besides the last month of the year, to me, he was the American League MVP for five months this season. Unfortunately, the MVP award isn't chosen after five months. He didn't get to the 100 RBI plateau that they all value so much team didn't get to the playoffs he's not going to win that award but he will win it for the Astros and really uh, when you look at it in terms of a middle infielder one of the best seasons we're probably ever going to see uh, in a Houston Astros uniform I feel like the staple season uh, was 1998 Craig Biggio Uh, this was the closest thing to it oh yeah I mean you you talk about how he's probably not going to win the AL MVP Uh, he was Right now, we're seeing guys reach that or get really close to that 30-30 plateau again. Um, and Altuve was almost one of those guys. 24 home runs, 30 steals. I mean, he was he was there. That He was knocking on the door. Maybe if you're right, if he doesn't have, have that slump at the end, then maybe he does that. That's, that's pretty huge for a second baseman of his size. I mean... This is the guy. This is the core. You know, I know we point to Correa and say, well, Correa is going to be the phenom. Altuve's already the phenom. Yeah, I mean, and only 25 years old still, I believe. Yep. I, I think at this point you should be trying. That's one guy. 
you should be trying to extend. You should be trying to get him, you know, make sure that you can control his cost a little bit and that he doesn't walk early. As long, You know, I'm not saying get crazy, but I, I think you can do something. That's the guy you need to start building around. But I feel like this offense, you know, with him at the head, that's it's a good offense going forward. Okay, let's talk about our next award. That's going to be to Cy Young. Uh, don't, don't laugh too hard. The Cy Young of the Houston Astros in 2016. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't freaking know. I guess it's Colin McHugh. Is that sad, Jared? Oh, Jesus. Are you, I mean, dude, are you, are you being serious? Who, who do you, you can't give it to a relief pitcher. We got to give it to a starter. We got to do this I'd, right. I'd say, I'd say go Davinsky. Why not? 108 innings. You know, two point one six ERA. You're doing hybrid thinking here. We don't. We can't award a relief pitcher <laughs> a Cy Young award. I mean, one hundred and four strikeouts, point nine one WHIP, average against two oh six. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll take that four and four record. But obviously, those losses right. don't seem to be indicative of his numbers. If you it, can't, if I would you say, can't give it to Davinsky, you have to give it to a starting pitcher who gets it. Um. How is there an inning minimum? Um, let's say 160 innings. I'll say, yeah, I guess you do have to go, McHugh. That ooh, that's pretty bad. That hurt. Yeah, I, I, I like just pu- I just pulled up all the starters. He had the lowest ERA of our regular starters this season at 4.34. So it. It was a rough freaking year for starting pitching this season. Uh, when we talk about our relief pitcher of the year award, I will agree with you now, Jared. I'll give it to go ahead and, and award Chris Davinsky. I mean, the 108 innings, most of those out of the pen, pitching multiple innings at a time, pitching all kinds of roles, a whip at 0.91. I mean, you, you know, you really, he's not going to win the award, but, man, you could really even throw him in for rookie of the year, you know, consideration, at least being a top three, top four guy uh, based on what he was able to do. is really an incredible season and really something I haven't seen before from a guy that's kind of come up and done this hybrid relief pitcher's role. It's very valuable for the Astros down the stretch. Oh, he, he was fun to watch. Uh, and even everything about him is fun to watch. His, his mechanics, you know, the kind of way he whips the ball watching that changeup. I, I really enjoyed it, and I was a lot of a lot of other people were were really hot and in going into the season on him, and I was interested in it. Uh, I, I didn't know how good it was going to be. I didn't think it was going to be this good. So I'm I'm pleased to be surprised. So he was so good, and I, you're right. I think he's going into this uh, 2017 season, which at least we've got some time. I think he's one of the guys that you kind of. I would say you pencil him in really hard to the rotation. Um, and that maybe that four or five spot, just see where it goes. Let's talk about surprise of the year. This could be either good or bad, but know that we have disappointment of the year coming up after this. So to just gauge yourself for that, though, Jared. Surprise of the year for me is, you know, let's do it. Let's be a positive poly here. Freaking Evan Gaddis. We've been yep. so hard on this guy. Yep, we were. We were really hard over. on him. How do we remain? I mean, talk about like what's his value, but the guy was valuable down the stretch. He leads the team in home runs. He's on base. is just a point under 320. He has the average up into a respectable range for him at 251. His catching ability, 
not bad. Not, not uh, the, it's, I, <laughs> not, it's, uh, it's not, he's not good at blocking balls, but he's good at throwing runners yeah, out. He I does. Think, he, I think that he throws, they said he's throwdowns the seconds are in the upper eighties. So that's, you know, that's pretty legit. You know, and, and I feel like that offsets the past balls. You know, they kind of play off of each other. Uh, it's a work in progress. You know what? If this is what Evan Gaddis is and, we're going to sacrifice some defense uh, for the offense. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with using Castro. But more, I think, next year as a backup platoon option for Gaddis. And, you know, seeing if he can go uh, 145 games, not behind the plate, obviously, uh, but putting him in there, what, maybe, you know, 95 games as a catcher, 100 games as a catcher. You know, I, I think that... If he does what he did this year, uh, maybe we can see what Jeff Luno really traded for, and then we can pat him on the back. So, you know, 2014 was bleh. This season I saw a lot of growth in Gaddis, and that, was, to me, was extremely encouraging, especially the fact that he was able to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, 251, 319, 508 slug, uh, 32 home runs, and again, Let's never get it twisted. Evan Gaddis was brand, was brought to Houston to hit 30 home runs. Uh, so he did that, and he did it behind the plate. Um, you know, I'm not going to question it, and I'm, I think at this point those numbers are good enough to where I can overlook the defensive flaws. If he can, if he does, if he's able to do that next year, then yeah, I'll, I'm fine with him being the full time catcher or the starting catcher, uh, and then going with a good backup. Uh, I do kind of feel like Jason Castro might be back next year as long as he's okay with the limited role i know sometimes players they get a little butt hurt they have egos they've done one role for a while uh but you know he was kind of starting to merge into that role in the middle of the season so if he's okay with that i think that's perfect for me what if what if he is our next uh brad osmus or our next adam everett you know that player who provides so much defensive value and gives you enough offensive value just to where you're like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Again, I, I think he would have to um, he would have to be open to some kind of maybe platoon situation where he's not getting as many at-bats. Well, the situation I don't want next year is I want this lineup to be deep enough to where Castro and Gaddis aren't playing at the same time regularly. That doesn't mean it... It can never happen because you like to have Gaddis in that DH position to give him a rest. But I obviously don't want to see that consistently when we have the likes of uh, a Gurriel and Bregman and Springer and hopefully another offensive player in the first base situation and guys that could rotate into that DH position and give those guys, you know, more time off for their legs and, uh, you know, just try and get some better bats in the lineup, obviously. Um, when you talk about that first base situation, that position belongs to Mr. Marwin Gonzalez. Marwin, uh, can Marwin, you, can you? All uh, the games. How are you going to defend his two ninety three on base percentage show through the mid course of the season? Oh, I, you don't defend Marwin. All right, Marwin doesn't need to <laughs> be defended. Wins. He just wins. He just starts at the first base. That's what he does. I, I mean, look, I I love Marwin I, I love because Marwin of what. Yeah, he's he really is uh, becoming his own little super utility. He's not the level of Ben Zobris, and I'm not sure anyone ever will be. But you look at his numbers, and you're like, yeah, he was only good for .3, but he is, if that's your replacement player, 
then that's not a terrible situation. You know, it's obviously you don't want him as your starting first baseman that, you know, that feels a little wrong, but having him as the guy who moves around and gives rests and you can kind of put in a hybrid lineup, that's got some value. And that, and, rem- and that reminds me, Jared, when we end this podcast or, or before we get completely off the rails, we need to talk about the first base situation and do a, a off season preview on that. Cause that's always exciting to me. Ooh. Oof, okay. But uh, finally, for our awards, disappointment of the season. So much to go around right here, Jared. You can go Carlos Gomez. You go Dallas Keuchel. You can go Colin McHugh. You could go freaking Jeff Luno just for being there. Um, you know, I think for me, I got an award. You know, let's stick on the – no, th- this is tough. I f- probably Dallas Keuchel. I guess, I guess that's the generic one. I'll stick with that. Um, I mean, coming off the two years he had, I think all of us expected that maybe he would come down a little bit. Uh, he certainly did uh, to the 455 clip. But even to add to that disappointment is it seemed like he was starting to turn it around a little bit uh, for a pretty good duration of time. Then he goes down with the shoulder fatigue, and then that just washes away pretty much any hope uh, of the season because at that point when he got hurt, uh, it started seeming like the Astros were poised to make a little run. You know, you had Bregman that was hot. Uh, Guriel was on the team now. Uh, Keiko was looking like the Keiko of old. You're like, all right, may- maybe something could happen. And that injury mixed with the just the lack of being able to be what he was last year, he put all that together. It just was kind of the icing on the cake during that last month of the year where he just wanted to face Palm all the way through the final few weeks of the season. See, for me, my disappointment, it's it has it's Carlos Gomez. He just he was so bad for us when I mean he was brought in to fill a legitimate need. And you looked at his numbers coming into this and you're like, that is acceptable. That is good. Continue at that pace and we will be happy. And he didn't just regress. He, he fell apart. He completely fell apart. And then when he went to Texas, he actually played well for them. And you're sitting there going, oh, wait, if we could have had a season of that, that would have that been All great. Right. Let me ask you the question here. Does Dave Hudgens take a significant amount of blame in your eyes when Carlos Gomez goes to Texas and just turns it up like he's back with the Brewers again? Or... Is it just a change of scenery in your mind? I think it's I, Carlos Gomez is a veteran player. Uh, he's going to swing the way he wants to swing. I don't think a hitting coach really has that much input into what Carlos does with his swing or his approach. I think you bring him in and you kind of let him do what he does. Obviously, he didn't do much. But I no, I don't put any blame on Hudgens for that. I, I think he has pretty minimal control. He's all about suggesting uh, adjustments or trying to notice holes in guys' swings. It's that's. I think that was more of just a change of scenery. I don't blame Hudgens for that. I'm not going to throw Hudgens completely under right now, but... I think we have enough guys hitting. Yeah, it's... You know, I don't know. If, I think we have enough I guys. See another, if I see the same thing happen again, though, with a veteran coming in and it happens that quick... You know, I might start to scratch my head a little bit, but for now, um, 
I guess he's okay. And they've already cemented that all of the coaches are coming back uh, next season for the Houston Astros. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get to some off-topic stuff, uh, we mentioned the first base situation. We go into this offseason right now, Jared, and, and, and what the F is going on at first base? The Astros just can't figure this position out since Lance Berkman left. You name it, the guy has struggled at that position. So uh, basically, A.J. Reed's trying to eat his way um, off the roster, and I think he's did a pretty good job of that. Uh, he's got a freaking ton of adjustments to make. Uh, we see Tyler White, slim Tyler White, uh, he looked better. Uh, I don't know if he's an answer at first base, but if he could be kind of what he was at the end of the year, maybe he's a guy you start you know, at first base again next year to start the year. Uh, Yui Gurriel, can he play the position? Marwin, I'm never going to say is an ideal option. I know it hurts your feelings, Jared, but a guy that's capable of playing the position in the interim. And then the ultimate wild card, Jared, John Singleton, he, he's still alive. Yeah, he's, he's still spending he's still the Astros' alive. paychecks, and he, good for him. Good job, John. All he beat, of them. I mean, he beat the system. All of he them, beat the though. system by not playing well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just get paid. But yeah, still, get paid. all of them, though, Jared, in my opinion, should once again get a shot out of spring training. And spring training doesn't mean a lot, but what else do we have to go on at this point? Even freaking John Singleton if he came back and showed that he could hit, he could play first base, in my opinion. I want somebody to do baseball at first base next year. No, I, I can definitely agree that it's wide open going in. I still think A.J. Reed gets the first look. Uh, He's the I, favorite, I, definitely. His, I mean, look, the guy came out of Kentucky and just tore up the minors uh, for the short time he was there. But there were there have always been concerns about a few things is about his k numbers um about his bat speed a little bit so no one ever said he was going to be a perfect player and i'm not shocked to see that maybe the adjustments are a little slower getting used to that bigger velocity you know better off speed stuff sometimes it it's not always as quick as it is for guys like bregman and correa i mean bregman adjusted so fast and it doesn't shock me these guys are bring they're brought in to hit bombs they're not they're not you're not bringing them in for controlled approaches just like with Singleton when you bring in a guy like AJ Reed you expect some struggle um i and i do think that you know they may give Singleton one more look yeah he only hit 202 in AAA wow 202 but he got on base again at a 337 clip and he hit 20 home runs so Obviously, there's still something there to like. Uh, his K percentages are down from 2015, so I guess that's something, too. I mean, um, there, you can't base... To me, when you bring these guys in in spring training, everything needs to be thrown off the table from what they've done in years past at this point. Uh, because we know why Singleton is a bit, was a big prospect. We know why A.J. Reed still is a big prospect. Uh Tyler White, I guess I don't even know what he is, but hell, if he comes in and hits and, you know, maybe he gets the position. I, I think at this point, all of them have struggled enough to a level to where you can't trust any of them at that position, and this is what you have to base it on. And, you know, also an element has to come into play. Who comes in shape? Who wants this bad enough? Who's going to go into an off season and really put themselves in a position 
to win this, you know, to win it. And AJ Reed, I know there's a number of fat guys that we love that hit and it's fun. But when you're trying to win a freaking position, you need to be in shape. He's got to come in looking better, in my opinion, next year because that gut isn't getting any smaller throughout the season that when what we saw. You know, I, he's just a big guy. If he doesn't hit, I don't know that it has so much to do that to do with that. It's he's always been a big guy. I mean, look at Singleton. Singleton came into spring training in 2016, and he was he was huge. He was massive. Like the dude was just ripped up. And it, yeah, you want him to come in a more uh, a more svelte guy, but he's always going to be country strong. That's one thing you will always see from AJ Reed. I don't know, man. I just fix the case, you know. Yeah, know. He, he I, had I, moments. He had moments. But again, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he shopped and potentially traded this offseason. I think other teams will still absolutely want him. Um, that's not to say, like, my expectations are now down on him. No. I think there's still a 30-home run guy there. I don't think anything's really changed. He just came up and got to face the most elite pitching in the world, and it didn't go so well his first try. So, I don't know. I think both I'm of okay. these guys still have value. I mean, not obviously maybe not as high as it was a few years or a few months ago, but, you know, between Singleton, 25 years old, uh, A.J. Reed standing at 23 years old, there's always teams that think they can figure it out. And you hope the Astros can be the teams that the team that helps one of these guys figure it out. Uh, for every Alex Bregman, there's probably like seven J.D. Martinez's. Maybe not to J.D. Martinez's level, oh. but I'm just saying guys that struggle for a period of time when they come up and then they finally figure it out. Now, whether that's to 35 home runs a year or 15 home runs a year on a solid on base average, you know, we will never really know that. But that's just the way baseball works. And that's why uh, you don't completely just throw these guys in the trash like I know some people want to do. Uh, but. If there's a trade out there to be made, then obviously you make that trade. Well, I mean, you don't want to create the next J.D. Martinez or Jonathan VR or Chris Carter or Dan Straley, but but you do have to be you have to be willing you do have to be willing to walk away from these guys. Okay, you need to be willing to just you know step away. Um, Sometimes you have to cut the cord, and that's what we have saw with some of these players. But yeah, you do. I mean, when the position battle is should be is this open, and no one has really distinguished themselves, that you have to give a guy like Jonathan uh, Singleton another look because you want to you want to make sure you know what you're getting rid of. Obviously, we've had we've been unlucky to have that situation happen multiple times. So, you know, it definitely leaves you gun shy, but. You have to be willing to walk away, but I don't think you walk away with Singleton just yet, especially because you just had, what, 144 games of Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, that's, you're right, that's a lot. That's a lot of Marwin. I know you were really happy about that. Um, so good. All right, so much Marwin. All right, let's talk some TV shows and end this thing up here. Uh, we'll get a little more off topic as. Uh, the off-season goes on, because what the heck are we going to talk about after this episode? Uh, new show that I watched the night of. Uh, I know some people already watched that. I watched it all on binge mode, uh, HBO program. I thought it was excellent. I know, Jared, you are a fan of that show as well. Um, just a guy that gets mixed up in a situation, man. It kind of, you know, it's a guy that 
goes out with a girl, has some fun, does some drugs, has sex with her. She ends up murdered. Um, but, you know, it kind of gets you to think that, you know, does this stuff happen a lot? Um, you know, a guy that, uh, of Muslim descent being racially, potentially racially profiled, a person that's in the, at the wrong situation at the wrong time, and a crime happens, and how you have to try to prove your innocence, and even if you are innocent, the time in prison, and how that affects you for the rest of your life, um, how it affects the people around you, how they feel about you. It was a pretty powerful show. Uh, not the best show I've ever seen, but a show I definitely won't forget, that's for sure. It definitely had a theme that it stayed consistent with the entire way through. Um it almost was is eerie, maybe eerie is what I'm thinking, but it, it definitely kept this whole vibe the entire way through. You never really felt all that hopeful that things were going to be set right. It had this very, the world is kind of dark feeling, and it, it's very enjoyable. It may not be the greatest show on TV, but it's definitely really good TV. And it's worth a so, watch, only eight episodes, so you don't yeah, have to it devote consume tons of time. You. Yeah, it definitely doesn't consume you. And it sounds like it's going to be very close to uh, True Detective, where every season's a new story. Yeah, and I, I can go with that. I, I love me some True Detective, but just don't do what they did on the second season and blow up the program. So hopefully a, uh, a second installment will be better for them. Yeah, so my show, uh, it's a new show on Fox, comes on Sundays at, I believe, 7 Central. It is called Son of Zorn. And it's a re- it's it's a, comp- a really new, interesting. It's a really interesting concept because the dad of this family, he's basically been away fighting in Dungeons and Dragons fantasy world. He is a cartoon barbarian, and he's been slaying the hordes of Siberia, or uh, I think it's like Siberia or something. And he's been fighting these mythical wars, and he, all of his artistry is that cartoon look. Well, then he comes home finally after, I guess, like 15 years and or he he maybe he had stopped in sporadically, but he comes home and like tries to reunite things with his ex-wife who's now dating a college professor. And he's trying to like toughen up his son who's very effeminate and, you know, very much kind of a hipster, real into no meat, no nothing. So for a barbarian, that's pretty shocking. And it's just all shenanigans because he can't function in the real world because he is a cartoon and it's it's really hilarious watch him watching him trying to teach you know his kid kid lessons life lessons it usually consists of him telling him to murder or maim well that sounds educational in a way i mean i guess if you want to learn the cartoon barbarian lifestyle but it's it's it is funny shenanigans and stuff like that it's very easy to watch it's you know you don't you get a little bit into the story, but you're just really just waiting for him to do hilarious things. And it's Jason Sudeikis is doing the voice of uh, uh, Zorn. Mm-hmm. So he's just, you know, he's got a really funny style and delivery. It just, it really is just a fun, easy watch. You went a little, a more of a hardcore watch. I went with a light breezy watch, you know? Yeah. You got to mix it up. You got to mix your shows and, you know, I'm always looking for a little, uh, a breeze to add to some of my programs, especially when some of them get phased out as seasons end. So you got to mix and match, or otherwise you're going to be sad all the time, or otherwise you're going to be, you know, 
taking life not not all that serious watching those so i think it's a good mix it's a good healthy lifestyle if you're a show watcher but that's something i'll put on my list i just gotta warn you jared i've got like 50 other shows on my list that i'm supposed to start so eventually i promise i will get to some of your suggestions well i definitely recommend it watch all the shows i tell you to watch because they're all great i'll trust you for that with that that is going to be the end of the program, the first off-season edition of Astro Chat. You know, we could talk some playoff baseball as well once we come back next week and see what the division series are up to. Till then, Jared, thank you once again, and we will see you next time. Happy off-season baseball, everybody.